Everybody else in the house love Jesus today? Amen. Happy New Year! Wow, what a blessing it is to see each and every one of you. Thank you so much for coming out today in this early time. Uh, I know that it's a sacrifice and probably a challenge uh, for some of you to come this early. And you know what? This is all about us taking a step of faith and trusting God to create an opportunity so that others can come and be a part of what God is doing here. It's, it's a growing thing. You know, when something is healthy, it automatically and naturally grows. And we're just thankful to the Lord for the spiritual health that we've been seeing happening in victory over the last year, the last 18 months especially. You know, I thought it was kind of interesting yesterday. The, the date was 1111. A whole lot of firsts. Everybody say first. And you know, I believe uh, any transitional season is all about recognizing the important things. It's finding priority. It's, it's recognizing what are the first things in your life. Stephen Covey wrote a book called First Things. And one of the, one of the principles of that book is keeping the main thing the main thing. Recognizing what the priorities are in your life. And we all understand how important it is in the beginning of a new year. If we're going to see any success in change that is lasting. Because everybody yesterday, to some degree, whether you wrote them down or not, has probably come up with some resolutions thinking about what you're going to do better in 20, 2011 how you're going to try to listen more and be more understanding, how you're going to try to be more forgiving, how you're going to try to be an encourager and, and, and plant some seeds of faith into some other people, uh, how you're going to try to cut back on some carbs, how you're going to try to get back in the gym and maybe do some more activity, burn some more LBs, all these different kinds of things that we all think we want to do. You want to stop a habit, you want to develop a new one. You want to put out the bad, you want to bring in the new and the good. And so I, I believe that it's so typical of people to try to start those kinds of things, and they don't start from a sense of priority. And when you don't start from a sense of priority, sometimes you can just really overwhelm yourself from the get-go, from the very beginning. And so this morning, I just want to tell you that this message today and this series that we're starting here at Victory is really all about the basics. It's, it's all about recognizing how important it is to go back to some fundamentals, and as we grab a hold of some fundamentals in this series, I just want to tell you about a very important story that we've all heard. Thank you, my brother. And I did catch it. Praise God. I was already with my line to say that if I didn't, yes, I do eat with these hands. It's pretty apparent that I'm successful at doing something with them. But uh, I was thinking about the, the speech that is probably legendary. You all know the story. Green Bay Packers are in a serious slump. And... The, the football coach that has brought on to, to change that thing and turn it around basically is motivating, he's training, he's, he's challenging. Vince Lombardi made this message famous, and that is that he stepped into the middle of a practice where things were not going right, and he said, okay, guys, we're going to take this thing back to the basics. This is a football. These are the yard markers. The object is to take this football through that defensive line over there that's trying to keep you from getting it across that goal line, and the goal is to take this thing and create and make a score on the board, what we call a touchdown. Now, 
you know what? That could probably be a little bit insulting to guys who's obviously been playing since Pee Wee League, and they've come all the way through junior high football and the varsity team, and they've made it on senior high, and they played in college, and they're already on a pro team. But sometimes, let me tell you, no matter how good you get at doing what you're good at, sometimes you have to get recalibrated, just like Greg's guitar, who does an amazing job in here. But I'm going to tell you something. That guitar is affected by the elements outside. When it rides in his truck and it comes in here this morning at 26 degrees, sometimes it's not quite in tune and you have to warm it up and you have to recalibrate those strings. You have to tune them up to a standard. And so this series begins at the beginning. It begins at a center point. Because if we're going to see any lasting transformation in our lives, we must recognize that change is inevitable. We're all going to change this year. I'll I'll get a few more gray hairs. Uh, Wood to God, and I'm praying that I don't add a few more pounds because that's part of my goal this year is to shed a few because I sure did enjoy myself through from Thanksgiving to Christmas. That's the end zone, and I created a new section. Somebody (laughs) says... Somebody said, what was it last week that Alex shared this? Somebody said a pastor had tweeted, you know what, if the temple, the body's the temple, then I've just added a front porch through the holidays here. So I understand what that's all about. But this morning, we want to recognize we're going back to the basics. We're not saying this is a football. If you have your Bible this morning, by the way, I'm going to hold up my iPad because I've got 26 translations right inside here. Hold it up with me and say this after me. We're going to go back to the basics, say, this is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, everlasting seed of the Word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is open. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. You can put your Bibles down this morning. And I just want to jump right into this message very quickly and tell you, did you know that change is inevitable? Change is inevitable. You're going to change some way this year, and you're going to may add a wrinkle. You, you, you may develop a skill. Uh, there are some changes that if we just sit down and don't do anything, we don't stay the same. That's, that's one of the, the realities of life. We have to break the denial that, that change is always one of the constants of life. Only God is unchanging. There are three ways that change comes, particularly when we talk about changing ourselves, either for the better or for the worst. All right? There are three changes, that, the three kinds of change the Bible talks about. The first one is conforming. Everybody say conforming. conforming. The second one is reforming. Everybody say reforming. The third one is transforming. Say transforming. The scripture particularly says... Be not conformed to this what? To the world, to the, to the cosmos, to the order, to the arrangement of things in which the enemy has perverted the perfection with which God started. God backed up from the creation on the sixth day after he had made his crowning element of creation, which was man. He would created everything and he dropped a man right down into it. Everything that he and she, humankind, would need God put Adam and Eve into the garden and he stepped back at the end of each day and he said it was good. But at the end of the sixth day, he said, behold, it is very good. Everybody say, very good. And I want you to recognize that the enemy perverted that. We know the original story. Sin entered because of disobedience. There was nothing magical in any particular piece of fruit, in that forbidden fruit. There was no magic spell 
It was the curse that came because of disobedience. Sin entered because of disobedience. Man chose basically to be God himself, to put himself in the place of the rule and the law of God. Now, because the world is in the shape it's in, we can just do what they do and we can very easily become like them and have no difference between us as Christians and the rest of the world and we can conform to the world. But the Bible says don't do that. The second kind of change is reforming. Now, this is what all religion is about. No matter what kind of variety, whether it's one of the world religions, whether it's Christianity and any number of the denominations that are represented, there are all kinds of groups that will tell you all of the laws and the rules and the steps of the ladder to climb in the religious sense of trying to come up to God's standard. And let me just let you know right now, the gospel stands diametrically opposed to all that is in that. You cannot, I cannot, in my own strength, reform myself to become in the image of Jesus Christ because I have this thing in me called original sin. Now, I can white-knuckle it, I can try hard, but in the end, I'm going to fail because I can't do anything apart from him. Apart from Christ, apart from God, I am nothing, and I cannot do anything. The last one is the one that we want to focus on for the next few minutes this morning. Everybody say transforming. This is the Greek word metamorpho. You learned about it in your 10th grade biology class where the caterpillar metamorphosed. It's the Greek word metamorphosis. The caterpillar spun the cocoon and literally died. The old life died and the new one brought transformation. And then in the spring, out of the casket of the death of the old life, God causes the struggle and the emergence of something that is entirely different. Something went in ugly Something came out beautiful. God has the ability to take all of your nasty, ugly circumstances and all the junk and all the, the stuff that you're starting this year with that you ended up in baggage from 2010. And he has the ability to, out of that ugliness, cause something to emerge from you that absolutely will astound you and overwhelm you as a testimony and a trophy of nothing but his grace and his grace alone. He can turn every worm into something amazing, into something of beauty. This thing called transformation is what we are all about this morning. How can I experience lasting change for the better? That's what this whole message is about, this series of messages. Pastor Alex is going to jump in next Sunday, and he's going to be talking about how we can see change come in our physical health. I believe that we can make choices that will actually make this whole thing run better. Come on, somebody. Now, it's, it's going to be biblical, but it's also going to be very practical. So I encourage you to invite a friend and get them back in here Sunday. Because if you want to start a diet that will last, we've got to start like this. Start from what the Word of God says. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two this morning, transformational change is like a seed. Transformational change is like a seed. It begins from a center and it moves outward. We planted some paper whites we always do every year so that we can enjoy them through the, through the winter months. And we, we, we got off a little bit late this year because they're just now starting to bloom. The first stalk, actually there's a bunch of stalks coming up out of three bulbs in a pot right there in our kitchen. And yesterday, we had about three little blooms that have started to emerge. It all began out of a seed, out of a center that was on the ground, under the dirt. Sometimes the most powerful change occurs in hidden places that you can't even see. Sometimes it's covered up for a season in the dealing of God. It's not necessarily a quick out of the chute. The horse is running the race quickly. 
But many times the changes that God wants to bring that are lasting because they are transformational begin sometimes in the dark, in the, in the, the quiet places of crying out to God, in a place of desperation, saying, God, I can't. I recognize that I can't do this on my own. I, can't, I don't want to conform, and I certainly realize that I can't reform myself in my own strength. I need you, oh God, to transform me by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way that we can do that is to recognize that it begins with the seed of the Holy Spirit and that center, it moves out from that center. There's a scripture that I have in your notes this morning that I found uh, because I I read through the Bible earlier in the year and finished my read through back in June. I did it in six months this year. And so for the rest of the year, I jumped out of the ESV and back into the message to do a read through again. And so at the close of the year, I was reading the Acts and all the epistles of the Apostle Paul. And in just a few weeks ago, I, this really struck me in this passage. In Acts chapter 15, there's an argument in the church in Jerusalem over how they're going to receive all of these people that are non-Jews. Everybody say, not like us. Not like now, uh, you know what, what I'm thankful about victory is that we are embracing diversity as a community. We are reaching out to embrace red and yellow, black and white, male and female, and the differences that are in our community. I'm excited about that. And that's what basically Peter and Paul were arguing about. And James stood up and he brought some instruction and some finality to it as the apostle of God, the chief apostle among the group in Jerusalem at that time. And the word of the Lord comes and Peter is sharing at this moment. He says, he treated the outsiders exactly as he treated us, beginning at the very center of who they were and working from that center outward. Cleaning up their lives as they trusted and believed him. See, worldly religious kind of change is all about starting on the outside and trying to press it into you. To press it into a a habit. You reform and you try to do something for 21 or 28 days. But all about the gospel is all about just reaching out to him and saying, God, i got to start fresh with a new seed on the inside of me. I need you to transform me. God, do something down in the very center of who I am because it's like dropping a pebble over the side of the bridge into a pond and you see that it hits that water in one little place and then the, it, the influence of that impact begins to move out in concentric circles, but it begins at a center And so God says, if I'm going to bring change in you, I must begin at the center of who you are. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, God will sanctify you wholly. Everybody say spirit, soul, and body. Now, it's important that you get them in that order because, first of all, your identity is not your body because this thing is changing. This thing is going to die. This is not who I am. Who I am is on the inside. Uh, God God forbid if I had a health crisis and I was on the operating table and this might still be laying there and I might be graduating to heaven. I'm not this. This is what's holding who I am. This is my earth suit. I am a spirit. I have a soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions. And I live. This is my earth suit. I live in this body. Recognizing that the center of who I am is all about the spirit. That's where God invades, first of all, with the seed of the gospel. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. If you ever meet Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you say, God, come on, invade this promised land right here. Come in and tear down all the giants and all of the walled cities. 
Come in and take this promised land. Make it yours, O God. When God comes in, he has injected his DNA on the inside of you. There's something on the inside of you now that is indestructible. It is incorruptible. The DNA of God cannot die. Are you hearing me this morning? Begin the new year with that awareness. Conscious of the fact that no matter what changes around you, there's something on the inside of you that is immutable. It cannot change because it is eternal. It is God himself living on the inside of you. Are there any believers in the room this morning? God began from the center and he moved outward, cleaning up their lives as they trusted and believed him. Number three this morning, quickly. The kingdom of God is all about priority. Prior, that means something that comes before. It's, it it signif- signifies order. It, it, it speaks of something that comes in a particular order, something that is first, primary, something that is second, secondary. All right? The kingdom of God is all about priority. It means I'm no longer living a self-centered life, but I'm choosing a gospel-centered life. God wants us to live with the gospel of God at the very center of everything that we do. What does the word say about it? It's not about asking the little subjective question that we've worn our our nice little Christian trinkets with our WWJD bracelets and all of that. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to tell you, you don't have to ask a subjective question, what would Jesus do? If you'll just get out your Bible, you can find out what Jesus did do. And I think that's the real question is, how did Jesus live? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? The Word of God has to be the source. It has to be primary. It has to be first. If you would, look with me to Psalm chapter 18. I love this. David is in a time in his life where everything is falling apart because the king that he loves, the one that he has served from the time he was 15 years old, He has an anointing of God on his life. There's a favor on David. You know, (coughs) pardon me, sometimes you can't explain it. The king had an evil spirit that the scripture says was from the Lord that troubled Saul. And it was found out that David had an anointing on him and David had the ability to bring the presence of God. You want to know why David could bring the presence of God? Because he spent all of his time out there in the the sides of the wilderness on the hills and the meadows with the sheep, protecting them, but he had his musical instrument with him and he would lift up his heart and sing the Psalms of God. You open your Bible, it's the very middle of the book. It's the very center. The heart of the Bible is all about worship. There are 150 psalms there, most of which that have been written by David, a few by Asaph, Ethan, and, and, and Haman, Haman, and Asaph, and Jeduthun, and one or two by Moses, most of them by David. So he writes all these psalms, and he's lifting up his praise to God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And he learns in the midst of a sorrowful anxious time to take the weapon of praise and put it in his mouth and begin to seek God and call out to the Lord and he would begin to sing and the presence of God would come because the Bible says in Psalm 22 verse 3, you are holy, O Lord, and you inhabit the praises of your people. David learned that principle. He learned that if he would exercise that thing in the midst of confusion, he could sing and praise and the presence of God would come and it would drive confusion out. Fear would come around him in the dark places. As a matter of fact, in this particular section right here, David is running from Saul, the king who he had served so faithfully. David had the ability to take the little lyre 
three-string instrument, and he would play and sing, and the troubling spirit would leave Saul. David had the ability to bring the presence of God. You want to know why he did? Because he had been in the presence of God. You can't lead somebody where you haven't been yourself. It's so critical that as believers that we keep our tanks, our spiritual tanks full so that we can step into challenging, confusing, fearful, frustrating, aggravating circumstances and we can let, when somebody bumps into us, it is the joy of the Lord that spills out of our pots. It's the joy of the Lord that overflows and begins to spill out and gurgle over and not frustration and animosity and fear and anger. Anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? Because David learned that. He responded, and he had the ability to bring the presence of the Lord. Listen to what he said in Psalm 18, verse 20. He says, God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I got my act together, he gave me a what? Isn't that good? He gave me a fresh start. Now I'm alert to God's ways. I don't take God for granted. Every day, I review the way he works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together and I'm watching my step. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. Now notice that he said God gave him a fresh start when he got his act together. Now don't misunderstand that. Anything that we do in terms of coming to God and the gospel is not about me making sure that I get all of my ducks in a row. What he said was when I laid all the pieces of the mess of my life out before him. Then he began to put it all together, and that's when he gave me a fresh start. So this morning, I don't know what's happening in your physical health. I don't know what's happening in your mind in any kind of mental anguish or a, a battle you might be facing up here in a thought life. I don't know about a habit that you want to break in 2011. I don't know about a good one you want to establish this year. I don't know what all the stuff is, what all the ducks that are quacking out of line in your life this morning. God says, I'm not worried about you trying to get it all together before you come to me. Bring all the pieces and just lay it out before me, and I will give you a fresh start. God begins at the center, and he moves outward. And this is what we're talking about in the sense of the kingdom of God and priority, because the Bible says in Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom, his government, his lordship. Jesus, be Lord over this area of my life. I ask you, plant a seed in me. Whatever you're struggling with, name it this morning. The best thing you can do is call it exactly what it is. If it's a sin you're struggling with, the first step to deliverance is breaking denial and calling it exactly what it is. God, I own this thing. I'm a mess in this area of my life. I ask you in Jesus' name to plant a seed in me and move out of the center of my life and bring change in 2011. Is that good? Man, I love that. Last point, and I'm finished this morning. The Bible says, uh, rather, I'm sorry, point number four, a gospel-centered life means the priority of seeking God is expressed through reading his word. Now, this is simple, guys. This is the football, remember? We're starting back. This is the first Sunday of a new year. We're stepping out in faith in a number of areas in our lives as in my family, between me and Dawn, praying and seeking the Lord for some things this year. As a whole church, we're a team where we're trusting God to do some things for us afresh. So I just want to say to you, in the same way, 
that that winning, champion-winning football coach stood before a team of people who'd already been doing that for years and reminded them of the basics. I'm saying to you again, if we're going to seek his kingdom, we have to put his word first place in our lives. I would just very simply say this to you this morning. Uh, if you don't have a plan to read through the Bible in 2011, get one. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, get one. You know, there's so many ways you can do it now. I guarantee you the Bible in your lap, if you're holding a hard copy with black ink printed on white paper, there's probably a Bible plan, a reading plan printed in that. So many ways to do it. It's just so easy. You know what? If you, if you have a smartphone or if you, you have an iPad or if you've got a laptop or a desktop or whatever, you can jump on uversion.com. It's a ministry of Craig Groeschel's Life Church. In Oklahoma, a number of campuses around the nation, one of the fastest growing churches in America. Craig is a hero of mine. And out of his church and the media ministry of his church, they developed this amazing website with all of these translations that are there that I use and preach from. There are some great Bible reading programs. I started a brand new one yesterday. I read Genesis 1, Matthew 1, Ezra 1, and Acts 1. In this plan, I will read through the Old Testament once this year, through the New Testament twice, and through Psalms twice, all year long. I'm going to get the Word of God in me afresh. Come on, somebody. This, this is not about just knowing it and quoting it. This is about letting it get down into the fiber of your being so that out of that center it's the Word of God. You squeeze me, you tie me up, I guarantee you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to regurgitate the Word of God. I'm going to be so full of it in 2011. It's the Word of God is going to come out. Amen. A gospel-centered life means the priority of seeking God is expressed through reading His Word and through spending time talking to Him in prayer. Everybody say prayer. Now, the Bible tells us in, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes and he says, don't be anxious for anything. Verses 6 and 7. He says, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Everybody say, with thanksgiving. When you come to God, you ought to come with a heaping sacrifice of thanksgiving, gratitude to God, saying, Lord, I thank you for all that you've done. Let me tell you something. If you don't have some gratitude, there's something wrong. You know what? If you've got breath in your body this morning, you've got a reason to be thankful. If you're sitting there halfway in your right mind today, you've got a reason to be thankful. Most of you have a reason to be thankful this morning. Some of you got that. All right. A gospel-centered life means the priority of seeking God is expressed through reading His Word and spending time talking to Him in prayer. This is my last scripture this morning. Look with me. God's Word is better than a diamond. Better than a diamond set between emeralds. Now, this is from the Message Translation. You'll like it better than strawberries in spring, better than red, ripe strawberries. Now, in case you're wondering, where in the world did that come from? Peterson, Eugene Peterson, put this in kind of a lingo that's a little bit more up to date. The scripture that you're probably familiar with says, sweeter than the honey in the honeycomb. Now, I don't know too many of you guys who probably have been raised on a farm where you know about a honeycomb. Most of you haven't. A few of you, some of your older brothers might. Honey in a honeycomb. Uh, I, I, I think was Aunt Pat. Uh, we call her Aunt Pat. She's everybody's Aunt Pat. Sonny, her husband, raises honey. They bring me little containers with a little label on it that says Sonny's Honey. <laughs> and he's got the honeycombs. He's got the bees. But because that's something that we don't really know so much about, Peterson rewrote this and he says it's something that is so sweet 
says, it's like strawberries in spring, better than red ripe strawberries. He says, there's more. God's word warns us of danger and directs us to hidden treasure. Do you see the priority of the word of God? It's sweet to you. It's uh, something that I learned probably when I was about 15 or 16 years old was a little expression regarding the word. It said, it's, it's the mine of wealth. It's the river of God. It's the, it's the garden of glory. It's the traveler's map. It's the Christian's charter. It is the soldier's sword. It's, it, it's, it's food to sustain us. It's light to direct us. It's comfort to cheer us. All of that is in the word of God. If we'll find our place and seek the face of God, he'll be all those things to us. Verse 12, otherwise, how will we find our way or know when we play the fool? Clean the slate, God, so we can start the day fresh. There it is again. Everybody say fresh start. Keep me from stupid sins. How many, how many of you think that's probably a pretty good prayer to pray? Keep me from stupid sins. You know, our church is really growing. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. And people ask me all the time, they say, Pastor, you know, how, how are you dealing with this? You, you so, so many years and it just didn't and now it is. And I said, well, let me tell you something. I realized through this process the last couple of years, I wasn't as bad as I thought it was when it wasn't growing. And I'm probably not as good as some of these folks think I am now that it is growing. Because I'm the same guy. This is all about God. It's the work of the Lord. And they asked me, he says, well, how can I pray for you? I said, just pray that I don't mess it up. <laughs> just ask, pray for me. And they said, and what, and Jerome is my, my dear friend. He said, are you serious? I said, pray I don't mess it up. He said, okay, you got it. Keep me, Lord, from stupid sins. Anybody in the room? Come on. From thinking I can take over your work. Then I can start this day sun-washed, scrubbed clean of the grime of sin. These are the words of my mouth. These are what I chew on and I pray. Now, that's the phrase, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's such a fresh translation because the Bible word meditate literally means to chew. It's like the cow that eats the grass, swallows. Forgive me if this is gross and it's too early in the morning to think like this. But here it comes again, and then he chews it some more. He swallows. Here it comes back up, and he chews it some more. That's what you're supposed to do with the Word of God. You put it in. When you need it, you call on it, and it comes up, and you chew on it. And you're surrounded by fearful circumstances. And because you've put your head in the book, you remember, when it's dark all around you, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When you feel weak, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And I'm praying those words and I'm chewing those words and I'm meditating on those words. And I'm putting that word first place. I'm attending Proverbs 4. My son, attend to my words. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Incline your ear to my sayings. Keep them before your eyes. They will be health to all your flesh. These are the words of my mouth. These are what I chew on and pray. Accept them when I place them on the morning altar. Oh God, my altar, rock, God, priest of my altar. So I've just asked you a question this morning. With all the stuff that you want to see accomplished, your 401k in better shape. By the way, we'll be talking about finances. My, my hero, Jeremy, you guys are going, you've got to be kidding me. That little 31-year-old Enrique over there is going to, let me tell you, Jeremy is a financial He's sharp. He's going to tell us how to do it. 
going to get our bodies in line. We're going to get our relationships in order. We're going to start fresh. We're going to get a fresh start. But the only way we can get all that stuff that we feel like needs to be changed is we have to start from the center. And that's the spirit that God has given us. Job 32.8 says, There is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. Inspire means to breathe into. So this morning we're just saying, God, as we begin this year on this first Sunday, this year of firsts, we put you first. We want to live gospel-centered lives, Lord. We want to be people of your word. We want to be men and women of prayer. We don't want it to come out of our mouths in 2011. Well, I've tried everything. I guess now I'll pray. No, we want that to be our first thing. You know what? I'm going to pray and seek the face of God. I'm going to get the wisdom of the Lord. And God's going to speak to me. He's going to give me a seed from his word. And out of that seed, he's going to cause it to emerge from that center. And he's going to bring transformation and the wisdom of God. And success will be mine. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate. Everybody say, chew on it. Meditate in it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You want some of that this morning? I do. I want a whole plate full of it in 2011. Would you bow your heads with me please this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we draw this service to this point, I would just ask you a question. Do you need a fresh start with Jesus? Is there an area of your life that you feel like is not fixed and you just don't have an answer for? You need God to give you some wisdom. You know, I want to go a step further than that. I just want to ask you, have you ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to change you, to begin a work of the Spirit on the inside of you? Because remember, change is inevitable. We're either going to conform to everything around us, and we know that's not good, or we're going to play the religious game, and we're going to try to reform in our own strength. We're going to white-knuckle it. And I want to tell you, that's not good either. Because Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and you may have it to the fullest. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you right now, if there's anybody in the room that would like to be included in the prayer, we're going to pray. We're not going to take a long time. I'm thrilled that you're here this morning. If you've, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and you want to go out of this service this morning, you want to go out empowered, strong in the Lord and the power of his might, recognizing that you can't do anything to earn heaven in the future or the blessing of God right now in your present. Very simply, you just acknowledge and say, God, I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Change me. I turn from my past. I repent. I turn to you. I reach out in faith to you. Anybody this morning, if you really felt the Spirit of God drawing you, and you want to pray that prayer while every head's still bowed, every eye's still closed, would you just slip up your hand right now? Anybody in the room this morning? Anybody at all? Hallelujah. All right, yes. It's one. I missed it over here, okay? Anybody else? All right, I believe that it's important as well to give believers an opportunity to respond to the word. You maybe walk, have been walking with Christ for decades, but every one of us still need a fresh start. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, all of those that are united to the Messiah Jesus get a fresh start. The old is gone, the new has come. This is a new year. It's like the 
first page of a new book. It's a new chapter in your life is opening. Is there something maybe the Lord's spoken to you today that you need to refresh your priority to put the word first? Maybe you need to commit some time to seek the Lord in prayer. And so I would just ask you today, if you would, every head still bowed, every eye still closed, you're saying, God, I want a fresh start in my life to put you first to live a gospel-centered life. Are there any believers this morning in the room that would lift your hand? Anybody? Yes. Thank you so much for that. We're going to pray this prayer right now in the name of Jesus. And I want the believers, if you would, with me to pray this, even if you already know Jesus. Pray this out loud because we have a couple of brothers and sisters this morning that are going to pray this prayer with us for the first time to ask Jesus to change their lives and transform them. Pray it after me. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this new year. It's filled with potential and opportunity. And I put you first. I say, Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. I repent. I turn from my past. I leave it behind. I turn to you. Out of my heart, I cry to you, God. Save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Plant the seed of the word in the center of my life and begin the change. In Jesus' name.